bit. I invite you to turn with me to John chapter 15. We'll be looking to verses 1 through 17. Uh, this is a beautifully inviting text for, for us as individuals and, and for us as a collective body. And, and I pray that this text is a reflection of what the Lord has been doing in us. And I pray even more so that it is a reflection of what the Lord will, will continue to do both in us and through us as we look to many more years of fruitful service for the kingdom. As we prepare to, to look to this text, I want to invite you to join me in prayer. Father, these are your words. You have you've inspired them. You have ordained them for us this day. You bless us through them. And with them, you call us to deeper relationship with Jesus Christ, your Son, our Savior. And so I pray that you would give us hearts to receive these words today. Not as the word of, of a preacher. Not as the word of man. But as what it truly is. The word of God. It is in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Friends, this is the inerrant and infallible word of God. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you. Unless you abide in me, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me. My words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, that you may bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants. For the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, 
but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask in the ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. This is the word of the Lord. On a, on a recent visit home, my oldest son, Pierce, was, he was sitting on the couch in, in our living room watching, watching a ball game. As I walked in to the room, and, um, and I saw the game on, on the TV, and, and rather than sitting, I just, I just stood there. It's called somewhere between watching the action on the TV presence with my son, and thinking through all that I had to do before me, thinking through what was next. So as I stood there with my son sitting beside me, he looked up at me with his characteristic directness and said, sit down. It was a command. It was a command that my son was was giving me, but what was behind that command? Well, it was an invitation. The invitation, the command was essentially this. Don't be divided. Be here with me. Do you ever find yourself divided? Caught between the action before you presence with someone else and and thinking about what comes next what is what does that divided self look like for you does it look like an inability to be present in the moment it's a good reminder when it comes to family and I don't want to jump too fast past that application but offer it as an illustration an illustration of this text. Jesus is also issuing a command. His words, though, are not sit down, but abide. Such a sweet word. Abide. What does it mean? Abide means to remain. It means... To stay, but not stay like I would command my dog Lucy to stay. It's this sweet invitation to be with. So, the translators of the ESV didn't use remain. They didn't use stay. They used the word abide. Because abide captures the heart behind this command, that this is an invitation from Jesus. An inviting command, and yes, it does have implications. And so to paint a picture of the command and the invitation and the implications, all Jesus turns to agriculture. This is the seventh of his I am statements, and he opens up by saying, I am the true vine. The illustration that Jesus gives, he is the vine. 
The Father is the vine dresser, and we are the branches. So as we think about this picture, first let's, let's consider the, the connection between the vine and the branches. The vine is the source. The source of, of sustenance. It, it's connected to the soil and, and it, it provides that sustenance to the branches which, which are the outgrowth. So in other words, the vine gives life. The branches receive life. And in receiving, those branches then bear fruit. But Jesus also speaks to the vine dresser, the, the father. And the father's role in this illustration and in real life is to maximize the fruitfulness of the branches. Now, the divine dresser here in this, in this illustration does that in, in two ways. One of those ways is a, a warning, and one of them is an encouragement. First, the warning, the vine dresser takes those branches that are not bearing fruit and cuts them off, gathers them up, throws them into the fire that they might be burned. He disposes of those worthless branches they are fruitless branches that have no place on this vine because they're stealing nutrients away they're stealing nutrients away from the branches that are producing fruit that's the first way in which the father is or the vine dresser the vine dresser father is maximizing fruitfulness that's the warning the second it's actually meant to be an encouragement. Father maximizes fruitfulness by pruning. When I was in college, um, I had a side hustle. It was long before there was Uber driving or DoorDash or all these other ways that we can get a side hustle. Back then, my side hustle was working at a little orchard outside of Auburn, Alabama. One spring, my roommate and I would, would go out there and we would, we would weed the strawberry rows and we would prune the peach trees. Now, we got some, uh, some instruction in pruning, but, but I have to tell you it probably looked a little different than the pruning that is uh, spoken of here in John 15. You see, when it comes to pruning grapes, the, the vine dresser is... Most likely using a knife. It's somewhat surgical. There in the peach orchard, we were given the instructions to uh, space out the, the peaches on the, on the branch, but we weren't given a knife, we were given a stick. And so we walked through that orchard knocking off the excess peaches. Let's just see two things about this pruning. The first is this. In an effort to make that tree more fruitful, we've removed fruit. How does that work? To make the tree more fruitful, we've removed fruit. Well, it works because the definition of more fruitful is not measured in terms of quantity. It's measured in terms of quality. 
there were too many peaches on that tree. And so the, the peaches couldn't grow to their, to their full size. They couldn't fully ripen. We removed fruit in order to protect and strengthen the fruit that remained. That's the first thing that we need to see about pruning. The second is this. That the process, though life-giving to the outsider, must have looked violent. (laughs) There was a certain death that was experienced through this pruning. Again, we, we walked through the orchard with a stick, not plucking off peaches, but but whacking them off of the branch. All of that was done for the greater health of those individual trees and and therefore for the greater health of the orchard. That's the picture that Jesus is painting when he talks to us about abiding. Now, if that is what the Lord is doing to maximize fruit, if that's the the picture of of abiding, then then what are we supposed to do with the branches? Well, uh, I I offer this with with some um, preacherly hesitation. Over the course of my life, I've I've listened to thousands of sermons. (laughs) The reality, however, is that I can probably count on one, maybe two hands, the specifics I remember from those sermons. (laughs) In other words, I get it, okay? Um, but also, in those thousands of sermons that I don't remember the specifics to, the Lord has been shaping me through them. But one of the sermons that I do remember with specificity is from this text. Somewhere in my early 30s, I was going through a period of time where I was experiencing felt like a great season of spiritual growth. The Lord was moving in my heart, and I had this eager anxiousness, restlessness. Lord, I want to serve you. Just show me where. Tell me whatever, and I'll do it. Just put me in. Put me in the game, Lord. And and I felt it so uh, tangibly that that it was hard to, it's hard to be still. It's hard to be present. And so the pastor of that particular morning was preaching from John 15. And, and though it felt like an audible word from the Lord, I'm certain that it was the Lord working through the preached word. But what I heard was this Settle down. Rest. Be with me. Simply know me. I'll show you in time. We'll get to what you're supposed to do. But right now, abide. They were sweet words. They were were a balm to my restless soul. They were exactly what I needed then, and quite frankly, they're exactly what I need right now today. How about you? 
We have a temptation when we come to a text like John 15 to think that the text is about fruit production. But if we focus there on, on producing fruit, then we do the equivalent of what we're doing when we decorate a Christmas tree. You decorate a Christmas tree, you, you, you cut it down, and, and, and then you put ornaments on a dying branch. It looks beautiful for a while. For a while. But that branch is, is dying, and if it's not receiving the sustenance that comes from the vine, that fruit will not last. Jesus' command here isn't to produce more. His command is to abide. It's to experience the fullness of the union in Christ that we've been talking about over the past few weeks, to remain in Christ. So how are we to do that? What does that mean to abide if that is the command? Well, fortunately for us, the text actually gives us some specifics. Verse 7 says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. We've, we've heard over the past few weeks about that, that, that call to prayer in the name of Jesus Christ. But here specifically in, in this chapter, he's speaking of abiding in him by letting his words abide in us. For the word of God to remain in us, for us to remain with the word. I've already confessed to you that I don't remember the specifics of those sermons, but even those sermons that I don't remember the specifics of, they have been used by God to shape me. We are shaped by the word that we sit under, whether it is the word preached or the word read. In this context and in our own homes, we're shaped by the word of God. To abide in the word is to marinate in it, to let it flavor our lives let it shape our lives and so brothers and sisters to abide in the word is to give it access to the deep regions of our heart practice of abiding is the practice of abiding in the word but Jesus says that abiding is more than merely reading the Bible hear the beauty of verse 9 as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. Abide in my love. Jesus is saying that the way the Father loves him is the way that he loves us. And so remain in that love. Remain with that love. Rest in it. Let it shape you. You know that one of the first and most foundational lessons that babies learn the lesson of affection babies are, are are learning about love long before they ever learn to discern the words that we speak to them they 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 gain a healthy or an unhealthy 
sense of affection that will last them the rest of their lives based on the way they receive that love and affection in the earliest days and months of their lives. They, they build this sense of love around, not, not around what they hear, but around what they experience. And so, given that, do you, do you hear how beautiful it is that Jesus tells us to not only abide in His Word, but to abide in His shaping love? You'll be shaped by my love for you. It's fundamental to our abiding that we receive His love. But He goes on. He tells us to abide in His commands. To abide in His commands by keeping His commands. That's where He goes in verse 10. Now, we, have, we spent a lot of time last week expounding on that call to to keep the commandments, to keep the commands of Christ. And so I won't expand on it today other than to say that abiding in the Word and abiding in the love of Christ is deeply connected to abiding in His commands. And they're all connected to experiencing union in Christ through prayer. So given the illustration that's before us today of the vine and the branches and the vine dresser, can, can I offer you a, can I offer us a, a practical prayer of abiding, a specific prayer? What if our practice of abiding was a practice of inviting the pruning? What if we were to pray, Lord, rid me of every distracting thing? Lord, remove even the good things in my life that take me away from the ultimate good of abiding in Christ and bearing fruit for Him. Is that a scary thought? Is that a scary prayer to pray? It's a trusting thought. It is a prayer of abiding. But know this as you think about praying that prayer. When, when I was pruning those peach trees, it was a violent act and probably, quite frankly, fairly indiscriminate. <laughs> Father is surgical. He's good. He's kind. He's wise. His pruning is for our good that it might lead to a greater harvest. And ultimately, that harvest is the goal of this text. Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. But in me, you will produce much fruit. What is that produce? Of abiding. Well, quite simply, it's fruit. <laughs> the vine is meant to produce grapes. But what kind of grapes? 
this passage, this, this illustration that Jesus is using has its roots in the Old Testament. In Isaiah chapter 5, the Lord speaks of his people, the people of Israel, as a well-prepared for, well-cared for vineyard. But Israel, in their idolatry, produced wild grapes. Because they chased after lesser gods, as they chased after no gods. They, they sought to produce the fruit of, of self-focus, of self-centeredness, and that, that wild fruit will not last I don't know about you, but at the end of my life, I don't want to look back over the course of my life and consider the fruit of my life and only see wild grapes. I don't want to look back at the end of my life and see a life focused on on self-centered fruit production. thought might help us think through the kind of fruit that Jesus is actually talking about here in this text. The fruit that he speaks of is the fruit of works that will make a lasting impact for the kingdom of God. He's speaking about the impactful fruit that will last into eternity. fruit of bringing a lasting impact on others, seeking to advance the kingdom of God in this world that we might reach into eternity. And so the fruit that Jesus speaks of is the, is the fruit of evangelism, it's the fruit of discipleship, it is the fruit of redeeming all things. And so we produce this fruit by the power of God and as the result of an abiding life when we serve our family. We pour into the next generation with an eye towards pointing them to a vibrant and abiding faith in Jesus Christ. We produce this fruit by the power of God and through an abiding life when in our businesses... We build businesses that, that focus on making a lasting impact for the kingdom of God by serving our employees, praying for our employees, but going beyond the way we care for our employees to think about the kingdom impact we're making through our businesses on the community around us, even serving our suppliers and our customers. We... we we produce this type of fruit by the power of God and through an abiding life when the teachers among us, whether they be teaching in homeschool or private school or public school, teach the children, the next generation, out of a biblical worldview and point the students to what is good and true and beautiful. This is the fruit that Jesus is talking about. But he's not commanding us to produce fruit. He's commanding us to abide. 
telling us what, what He will do through our abiding. This is our 10th anniversary this morning as a church of gathered corporate worship. And, and I pray that, that we as a church body will produce this type of lasting fruit for the kingdom of God collectively and individually as we abide in the word of God. As we abide in the love of Christ and in his commands. As we do that, individually and collectively as a body of Christ, we will stand for the kingdom of God rooted in, in truth and grace. It's a call to trust more in the abiding love of Christ than in what our culture says will be most pragmatic and effective. I pray that we as a church body will set our hearts on eternity. And that we will produce this lasting fruit. But understand that the fruit that Jesus speaks of for us as individuals and and for us collectively as a church, is more than, than external fruit. There is also a sense, and though I don't believe it's the primary sense in this text, I believe the text also points to the fact that this fruit is the fruit of the Spirit, namely, namely, the fruit of joy. Verse 11. Jesus says, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. The abiding life is a joy-filled life. The abiding life is a productive life because it is a joy-filled life. Life, Me in Christ, Christ in me is to experience the fullness of joy ultimately because the produce of abiding is friendship with Jesus. Do you ever feel like you are on a Christian treadmill? Do you ever wonder if the whole point of the Christian life or of this text is that we would become more productive Christians, so, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that, that through the ministry, the gospel, we have communicated that, and I mean that with all honesty can get it messed up from time to time. And I'm so sorry if you have heard that message here, and I'm so sorry if you've heard that message in the culture, but the heart of the gospel is relational connection with Jesus. It is abiding in Him as a friend. And know this, He tells us in this text that His heart is to be with His friends. Last Sunday night, I received the sweetest two-word text. <laughs> it's from a friend who, who from time to time will, will reach out to me, and he has a way of communicating that just cuts to the heart. When he's thinking about me or praying for me, he will send me just a simple text with two words. 
with you. With you. Are those the greatest two words that you could hear? They communicate much, don't they? They communicate friendship. They communicate intentionality. They, they communicate care. If I could summarize this text and what I believe Jesus is saying to us, it is summarized in those two words, with you. Jesus is saying, I am with you in a friendship that I have initiated because I chose you, you didn't choose me. I am with you in a friendship that I have pursued because I came. It's the word incarnate to dwell among you. I am here in a friendship that I have sealed on the cross. As he says in verse 13, greater love has no one than this. That someone lay down his life for his friend. Jesus did that. Jesus did that for the disciples. Jesus did that for us on the cross. And so to his chosen and sealed friends, Jesus is saying, I am with you. Be with me. Let us abide. Lord Jesus, what, what beautiful words that you speak over us. And though they, they promise much produce, the command is to abide in you. I pray for my own heart and for every heart here that we would hear that command. Rest. Remain. Stay. Be with. To know, to abide. Speak it loudly, speak it softly, and shape us by it. In Christ's name, amen.